reflections from a range of authors, journalists, civic leaders, historians and generally interesting people, exploring the importance of the written word, the value of a library and their own inspirations and motivations. Based at RSE Connolly, the James Connolly Visitor Centre, Belfast. You're very welcome back to the latest season of Glore at Lorlani Connolly, our podcast here in the James Connolly Visitor Centre in Belfast. This week's guest is an international best-selling author, Jo Spain, who hails from Dublin. And Jo speaks to us today about how her love for reading and writing started at a very young age. The obstacles that face those from a working class background trying to enter the publishing industry. But the satisfaction that also comes with having a job that you love. I suppose when I was younger, um, I came to reading before I went to writing. I read everything. I was a very bookish child. Um, I I grew up in a very working class estate and children used to be out on the road from early morning to when they were hungry, basically was the saying. And my parents used to have to kind of beat me out the door because I would be happy to just sit in and read. And I read whatever I could lay my hands on. And my gran had a suitcase of Ina Blyton's from the 50s under her bed. And I went through them maybe 75 times each. And then I was laying my hands on the most inappropriate reading material probably for a small six and seven year old because uh, I, I had quite an advanced reading age they had all these books that were set in second world war England during the blitz and it was kind of the GIs coming over and getting the young London women pregnant and these women being left as single mothers and I mean I was reading this when I was in primary school but I was anything I would just read anything and some at some point there I started to put my own little stories together and I had poems in primary school journals. And this was a, it was, it was seen as unusual because it was a very working class state. It was a very working class school. And I had a couple of teachers who kind of singled me out and said, this is a talent. And it was not something I was getting at home, but I got it from them and it really stuck with me. And then in secondary school, I had an English teacher who saw that I really loved reading and also saw that I was able to string a sentence together very well. I, I, it was kind of innate in me. It's not something I had to practice. I'm, I'm good with words, as they say. I'm able to articulate myself well on the page better than I can in person. And it was something I knew I was good at, but not something I ever thought I could do. Like, it's not something you fill in on your CAO form. You know, I know there are creative writing courses now, but in 1998, when I was picking college courses, I was just picking the one that I thought would be best for my degree. And I ended up doing a politics and philosophy course. And there was a lot of writing involved but not writing that was in any way pleasurable. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't fictional writing. It wasn't like anything I was reading. Um, and I think for actually four years in Trinity probably killed a little bit my love of reading and writing because you're reading heavy tombs of texts all the time and you're writing essays and thesis. And it's, it's not as fun. I used to live for the summers when I could read kind of fictional books and let my brain switch off for a while. And I, and I don't mean life fiction. You know, I like to read proper you know, books that have been nominated for awards and things. It wasn't just whatever I could lay my hands on at that stage, but it wasn't academic. And I realized that that was what I enjoyed. And I guess that's where it all started. When I was in my final year in college, I was living with a woman who worked as a freelance journalist for a lot of Irish um, newspapers in the South, a lot of the tabloids. And she got me some freelance work for a couple of those tabloids. And I didn't particularly like it, but I, I, again, I had a skill for kind of delivering 200, 300 words and getting paid for it. Um, but it wasn't my 
it wouldn't be a career choice for me, that kind of writing, that kind of newspaper. So when I left college, um, I was desperately looking for something to do that would include writing. And I didn't have the, the means to kind of go on and do a master's. Like I'd, I'd put myself through college, I'd worked. So I had to do something. Um, and I was in a Sinn Féin coming at the time. And Michal McDonagh said to me, they're looking for journalists in Unfoblocked, um, the newspaper. So I went for an interview there and met my husband who's the editor at the time Martin Spain and he took me on on the basis of all this freelance journalism I'd done he was reading pieces and saying this is great of course the editors hack those to bits you know so he'd be saying to me did you think of this opening paragraph and I'd be like yeah <laughs> some editor somewhere had wrote it you know uh, but I spent a couple of years working under him in Footblocked and he was a brilliant mentor for and I, I, it translates to everything I still do now in journalism and in screen if you can hook them with those opening lines, you have them. And that is something that is really trained in journalists by good editors. And he was a very good editor. And I mean, we, we fought and I wasn't happy having that kind of <laughs> dict dictatorial writing style imposed on me by my editor and then later on my partner. But it served me. I think at some point, I mean, I ended up working in Leinster House uh, for Sinn Féin TDs and I was writing speeches and parliamentary questions and again people always said to me you have a very good way of communicating on the page like I would do briefing points for TDs going out to press briefings and things like that and they were like this is very comprehensive and it's very understandable and at some point along the line I decided I would like to try writing a book and I, I don't really know I mean there was there was a financial point where my husband had lost his job and I was the only one working and the party pays the average industrial wage and that was not a wage to bring my family on and I was thinking what can I do to bring in more money and I just thought if I could write a book and sell it like it sounds so daft nobody does this I wouldn't recommend it as a career choice you know it, it takes up all your time but I wrote it over a year this fictional book with a detective because I really love crime fiction and I like watching crime fiction shows and reading books and when I finished this book I submitted it to a competition and thought no more about it it was a Richard and Judy search for bestseller and a few months later, I got an email saying you've been shortlisted. There were seven of us shortlisted out of thousands and thousands. And very shortly after that, I got my first publishing deal. So I had no agent. I hadn't submitted anywhere. I, I still don't. I mean, he, he helped me. He edited the book. So it probably shone in terms of how polished the book was. But it is the flukiest entry point into the publishing industry and when I'm telling that story at these kind of panel gigs that authors do and you have all these want-to-be writers in the audience and they're saying tell me your secret tell me your trick how did you get into it I'm like well I'm going to tell you what happened but I'm going to tell you that's not going to happen for you because it's so rare and you will get all the rejection slips um like most writers but that's how I got into it it's a strange one because it's amazing how quickly a dream becomes your job when something becomes normal something you do every single day it's a job and I do think if you want to make money from being a writer you actually have to approach it as a job like I do come across an awful lot of people who write for fun and they're generally being funded and kept by spouses or they've got money in the family if you're a working class person and you don't have those kind of means behind you usually you're working to take care of yourself and your family and the publishing industry is a very difficult place to earn money. I think people think that authors who are selling commercial fiction internationally, and I've had international bestsellers, are probably, you know, living in mansions and driving Porsches. It's not the case. The publishing industry is one of the last places where everything 
looks good on the surface, but when you scratch it, like some people assume that if they buy my book for 10 euros, I'm getting, I don't know, five euros of that. But the vast majority of authors are paid between from the supermarkets to shops, four and a half percent to 12 percent royalties on their books. A lot of the time, if you're selling a 10 euro book, you're maybe coming out with 60 cent from that book, you know, so to actually make money from publishing is very difficult. And, you know, you do have the, the for want of a better word, the glory. I've always said it's a nice business to get into um, if you want success and you want fame because it's only your name that's famous. You're not famous. Like nobody knows what you look like and or what you sound like. You can have all the anonymity, but your name is selling because it's selling the book. But it's not a great place to be to sustain yourself. So at some point in my writing career, I realized, OK, I can do this very well, but I can't do it well enough to earn a living from it. Some very few writers do. Um, the ones you know of JK Rowling and John Connolly and John Grisham, they're the writers who are selling in their millions throughout the world. And it's difficult. You can be a bestseller with a few thousand books a week, you know, so you can see the, the difficulty of making money with that. But screenwriting is a different ball game. Screenwriting is a very well paid slave labor job for writers. It's I mean, you, again, you get screenwriters like Jed Mercurio and David E. Kelly who get to a level of their careers where they are not only getting paid handsomely, but calling all the shots. The vast majority of screenwriting is done collaboratively with teams. So I did my first show for RT a couple of years ago and I co-wrote it. But even when you see the writers' names on that show, there's an entire team behind any episode. And that's initially the producers and what they want, the script editors and happen to fine tune an episode but then you bring in the directors the actors the budget people the, the mainline producers and slowly but surely you know things get chipped away and formed by this team is it so that's the job element of, of writing and it's it's brilliant because you can write my first show was a look at direct provision in this out and it was powerful you know we wrote it to be powerful we wrote it to show the stories of people living those lives and having worked in politics for so long I really appreciated the medium of tv to actually really bring an emotion to a very topical and sensitive issue in a way that perhaps a press briefing can't do and it's also paid very well so I could do it professionally as a career but it's not an easy it's not dreamlike when you're working on scripts at 10 and 11 o'clock at night and you're putting in four million edits and then the next day they're saying well actually you know we've no load order to fill to film the car scenes you're gonna to have to get rid of all of them and <laughs> you know it, it, it does become a, a profession at that point but at the same time I do it from my home I've got kids here I get to see them and I wouldn't swap it it's hard but I, I don't think there's any other job that I'd like to do in the world whenever I do events where I know there's people in the audience who might come from um, a working class background or a less privileged background I make a point of saying where I'm from and how I started and when I say that I went to Trinity nobody paved that path for me I paved that path myself um, I did have teachers encouraging me so I was very lucky in that regard and I know some people don't have anybody in their corners and that can be difficult but what I always say to these people is that the likes of these professions, sometimes when somebody has to drag themselves and push themselves into a profession, they do better than anybody else because they had to fight for their place there. And when it comes to talent and art in particular, there is no setting that says middle class people and up are better at this particular thing than you. They may have more access and publishing like any other industry and screenwriting would be the same tends to have issues in terms of diversity, in terms of class backgrounds of its writers. 
And every now and again, it kind of bubbles to the surface, like we need to look for more diverse voices. We need to look for authentic voices. And sometimes it's box ticking. And other times they genuinely mean it. But at the same time, if you're saying we want more working class writers, but you're still going to pay these writers really badly, they're not the writers who can sustain being in the industry. They don't have spouses or family taking care of them. So you're giving them access of opportunity, but you're not giving them really the opportunity. But when it comes to actually doing it, if you can find a way of making it work, and I found a way of making it work, you should be aware that every name on the bookshelf is a normal person. I used to walk into bookshelves and pick up books and think, imagine being an author, that person must be so brilliant. And it's it's actually just hard work. You have to have the talent. Like I do meet people all the time and they tell me they have a book in them or wait until I hear their family story. And I don't write family stories. So I'm like, you keep it for yourself. You know, you write the book. Most people aren't interested and everybody's got an interesting story. That doesn't necessarily mean everyone's got an interesting book. And everyone I've met who achieves success, and I mean international best-selling success in fields, it's something they've been passionate about all their lives. There's a common theme, like I'm writing since I was a child. I know people who are playing football since they were children or people who are doing ballet since they were children. They all managed to achieve success. It was something in them. They didn't just decide when they were 35, you know, I think I could be a writer. I have a book in me, you know, it's something that's been there simmering away all their lives. And that's the same, whether you come from a working class background or an upper class background, you do have to fight your way in and you have to keep going, but there's ways. I entered through a competition. I was anonymous. Nobody knew who I was. They just loved the book. And I was very lucky that I had an editor who works on quality over where you come from. She just wanted to publish a good book did it work against me then in terms of PR and networking? Probably, but I just stuck at it and kept going. And I think anybody who really wants to make it happen will make it happen. And when they do make it happen, they'll stay there because they had to work so hard to get there. They don't take it for granted. So, I mean, anyone, anyone can do this. I'm not denigrating my own achievements, but anyone can be a successful published writer if they're willing to put in the work and treat it kind of as a job.